I know it looks like to you we have a traveling evangelist on the front row with us tonight. And so this is Isaiah over here. This is the prodigal of the Sandoval. No, just, no, that was a joke. We just don't ever see you. I'm teasing. I was just teasing. And so, but it's good to have Isaiah here tonight. And I was telling Isaiah earlier, he knows how to dress. You see, this is fashion right here. That tie, that little clip on there. He's the shoes and everything. He's all set right there. And I'm like, you need to show your dad how. And he says, well, what are we going to say one? At two and three? So, but did you teach him how to dress, or, he's, or does he need to teach you? <laughs> That's too fun. What? Make a coffee and good food. So, a lot of those Sandovals can, they got a well-rounded, well-rounded family there. Desserts, coffee, everything else. You want to you wanna gain weight, go to the Sandoval's house. Do it. Because they know how to party like a baptist. In this world, you have a party, and they have their tables full of all their stuff that they shouldn't be drinking. And you go to a Baptist party, and there's a lot of food that we shouldn't be eating, but it's all there. And so you might not get, you might not get wasted with bad things being a Christian, but you'll get wasted with too many desserts or things like that. And probably not a good idea either way. The sin of gluttony and, you know, drunkenness, gluttony. Which one's worse? We'll let you figure that out for yourselves. How we got off on all that, I don't know. We're in Acts chapter 17 tonight, but Isaiah, it's good to see you tonight. I'm so glad to have you here. I just want anyone, we had a lot of guest speakers here the past few days, last week. I want anyone to think you were the guest speaker for tonight or something. Dress the way you are, it looks like you're ready to take my job. You want it? You're okay? All right, I'll let you have it tonight. So, uh, anyways, Acts chapter 17. It's been weeks since. Tonight we've been, and we've been here for Sunday night, but there's been other speakers and other things going on. We're at the park one week, and I preached a different message there. Last week we had an afternoon service on our anniversary. Look with me. I want to read verse 1 through 15 tonight to re- help you remember where we're at. And you'll notice that Paul, it's always the same with Paul. He does the same thing wherever he goes. He's, kinda, he's a creature of habit, right? And you kind of know when Paul goes to a new city, this is what he's going to do. So we look at Acts 17, verse number 1. Now when they had passed through Amphilus and Apollyon, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed... And consorted with Paul and Silas of the devout Greeks of the great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy. I don't know if you realize, there was a lot of envy that went on a lot, wasn't there? Wasn't there a lot of envy when it came to Jesus with the high priest? See, envy is very powerful. And what, what comes of it. So we see that they believed not, they were moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of a basser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. They basically started a riot. They started some... We kind of know what that's like in our world today, right? We have different groups go out and start things on purpose. Yeah, anyways. I won't say any more about that. And it says, And assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. 
And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. What a statement. Man, what a statement. These guys that have turned the world, they're, they're here. Would that be said about us? Are we turning the world upside down for Jesus today? Really not. Today as it's ever been. These are the guys that turn the world upside down. They're come hither also, whom Jason hath received, verse 7, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And do you see how, I love how these non-believers, they even push out, and they're pushing a new king on us. Not the king that we have, a new king, this King Jesus. They love throwing that out. And let's just make sure we understand something. There is only one king. There is no other king. Yeah, Caesar might have thought he was whatever Roman ruler was in charge at this time, really thought they were in charge, but there's only one king. It's King Jesus. We look at verse number 9. It says, And when they had taken security of Jason and the others, they let them go. Verse 10 through 15 is our text tonight. And the brethren, those that were saved, the brethren, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Look at what Paul's doing again. Don't you think Paul might get like, you know what? Everywhere I go, I go into the synagogue, preach the gospel. Some people receive it. Then others want to kill me. Wouldn't you think, you know what, I'm going to take a little break. Just take a little break, maybe let the tension cool. I'm just going to relax a little bit, sit back, just relax, and then I'll get back. No, they literally get him out at night, because why would they let him escape at night? Because if it was during the day, they would have taken them. They escape by night, and what does Paul do? He just keeps on going. And it says there, it says, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, because of that, many of them believed. Also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. But when, look, but when the Jews from where? Thessalonica, the ones who had just caused issue, right? When the Jews from Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul and Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and received a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. We look at this, these, these Bereans that are mentioned here. And in all reality, we see the fact that they were, what were they doing? Look there in verse number 11. They were more noble, it says there, than those in Thessalonica. How was it they were more noble? We see what it says. They received the word with all readiness of mind 
and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, because of this, many of them believed. Now, tonight, for a little bit of time that we have, I'm going to preach the passage, but I want, this is my um, title, my message tonight, we need to be like the Bereans. We have yet to see in all of Paul's journeys and where he went, a group like the Bereans that are mentioned here. Because we see the fact that when Paul came and he preached the word, if you go back and you look earlier in the same passage up when he was in Thessalonica, we see that he was opening and he alleged and he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And some of them believed. But what we don't see is them actually having an open heart. The church in Thessalonica, the church in other places, we don't see them having an open heart to what Paul was preaching. And not only that, they would take what was being preached to them, and look at what it says there. And it says, they search the Scriptures daily. So Paul would come in and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And what would they do? They would go home, and they would take a Bible, whatever passages they had. They don't have the whole thing like what we have. They would take what they had, and they would see, is that what it says? Is that literally, this is what Paul preached. This is what he said. Is this true? And they searched the scriptures, not monthly, not weekly, daily, daily. Hey, Christian, are you daily in the word of God? I have so many Christians that will say, Pastor, I want to I do more for God. I want to do, uh, do you read your Bible? Read your Bible. Just start there. Say, well, Pastor, there's so many other things. There is. But if you can't read your Bible, don't worry about anything else. You want to grow as a Christian? Read your Bible. Remember that little kid song? We sing it with our kids in the Christian school. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. The opposite of that, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. They read it. They searched it daily. Whether it was right or not, what Paul was preaching. See, as we look at this church tonight, there's a lot of things I want to say and not a lot of time to say it. So instead of jumping ahead of my outline like I've already done, and this morning I totally butchered whatever outline I and totally messed that up this morning. And that's sometimes why I like giving you notes so you can remember things, but I don't like tying myself to an outline. It's a lot better not having to tie yourself to one. But it's also good to stay on track to have one there as well. So we look at our outline tonight. Number one, as we dive into it, we see that Paul moves on to Berea. We see that in verse number 10. And what we see, first of all, number one, as we see that Paul leaves there, we see, first of all, letter A, that Paul leaves Thessalonica. In order to leave Thessalonica, he needed help. And you know what I love to see? As we see number one here, we see the help of Christians there in Thessalonica. mean you harbor a criminal or someone who's done something wrong cover up what they do that's not what i'm saying right there there are a lot of christians that do that too and that doesn't help nothing for the cause of christ but literally they want what was paul's big big wrong that he had done preaching jesus if that's all that you're wrong is that would be that would be awesome wouldn't it just like i was reading the other day in the book of daniel 
Those, those people, all the, all, the pres- all the people that were in charge, they hated Daniel, didn't they? And they looked everywhere in Daniel's life, and they wanted to find something that they could get him for. Do you know what? I, I bet they checked his tax. I bet they checked every little thing, all of his business dealings. And do you know what, do you know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say they all decided this. The only way we're going to get Daniel is by making him do something against his God. That's powerful. Would people say that about us? The only way that we're going to get them is to make them do something against their God. We see that they helped here. As we look at this, we see, and I love the fact Paul had witnessed to these people. These people had gotten saved through his ministry. And you notice what happened is they sent him out at night. When they sent him out at night, this is the interesting thing. Did they have flashlights? Were there city lights? There were not city lights. The stars lit the way for them. Do you know how bright those stars are some nights? Do you know at night when they helped him escape? Probably I was reading through several commentaries, and this is where this thought came to my mind. I don't think he really knew where he was going next. He started heading somewhere. I don't think he knew where he was going. You're traveling at night. There's no light. It's not like he hopped in a car and the road says you can go east to Riverside or you can go west to L.A. Oh, that's easy. I'm just going to go one of those ways and always just go opposite of L.A. Just go east. Stay clear of L.A. if you're going to pick between those two. But that's not how it worked. Literally, this is nighttime. He gets out there, and I believe that God was directing his steps the entire time. And church, you've got to understand something. Even when we are going through it, and Paul will just say he was going through it, even in the midst of going through it, God was still guiding and leading him every step of the way. And no matter who tried to hinder the work of God, who tried to stop what was taking place, God was there and God was helping him in the midst of it. Reminds me of what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be with content. Be content with such things that you have. You don't need a mansion. You don't need all these other things. Be content that you got Jesus, right? For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, not what man shall me. I think Paul could say that as he was trying to get out of a lot of cities for his life, right? God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's my helper. I'm not going to fear what man will do. And it's why he kept preaching in the next city and the next and the next city. You see, when things come up and when we're following the Lord and we're serving the Lord, and tough times come, do you realize God knows? And God still directs? That's why the Bible says to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Do you know God is aware of everything going on? He is. Nothing takes God by surprise. We get taken by surprise daily, don't we? Sometimes minute by minute. God doesn't, isn't taken by surprise. We mentioned it earlier in that song. We don't, 
God already knows. The world. Come on. You can come tonight. You don't even have to wait till tomorrow. Come and end all this crazy. It's out of here. It's coming ahead. He knows those things. And as we look here, we see the fact that these believers, they help Paul. But I also want you to see number two. I really believe that this was God's plan for Paul. God does not let anything happen. And this is the thing. You've got you to put a grand scheme and get this in our minds. And this is something hard for us to get when we talk about big words like the sovereignty of God and who God is and all that he does. You've got to understand something today. In this world today, in all reality, God is ruler of all things. But today on planet Earth, the God of this world, calling the shots in this world, is Satan. So we can look as believers and say God is in control, which he is. But right now, Satan is technically running the show. You see that with everything in our world today. But what I want you to understand is this. Just because we look at it and Satan is in control, God is still behind the scenes working everything together for good. The book of Esther is a great example. That not one time in the book of Esther is the name of God. And yet it's just amazing how everything happens. It's amazing how one night the king just can't sleep. And he's like, go get a book and read, read to me. And it just so happens the book that they read is the history of how Mordecai saved them. And it's just, how could that happen right then? How could you piece that? You couldn't write that and make it look any... And then you got Haman coming in, and the king says, I want you, we're going to throw a parade for this guy, and we're going to cheer him on because he rescued me. And Haman's thinking, that's me. And he's getting, you know, he's getting that jack-in-the-box head it's getting real big and he's getting super excited and he's thinking it's me and then the king says Mordecai he hated Mordecai it just by chance happened that way no because God is sovereign God has a plan and Satan can't stop the plans of God Satan might try and Satan might curveball when you're expecting the fastball but God is God and he works with anything and his plan and his will will always be accomplished no matter what you and I or what Satan tries to do God always comes through you know we think about the early church we've gone a long ways in the book of Acts so far but Jesus told them before he went back to heaven you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They were doing a great job of reaching Jerusalem and nowhere else. So you know what Satan thinks? I'm going to persecute them. I'm going to raise the persecution that's going to stop this. And you know what God said? Go ahead. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to actually take the gospel Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You see how God works? Satan says, I'm going to stop Paul. God's like, he'll just go someplace else. I'm going to stop him. 
I'm going to stop John. He's going to be banished to the island of Patmos. No one's ever going to hear from him again. Okay. I'll just let him write the book of Revelation. People 2,000 years later are still going to be hearing and seeing what John wrote about. Uh, you're going to throw Paul in prison? Oh, I'll just let him pin most of his epistles in that time while you got him in prison. That's how God works. God has a plan. God had a plan that Paul needed to get to the Bereans. And this is how it worked. This is how God worked it out. And when we look at these things and we think about it, from a human standpoint, we would say that literally what was happening here is they were trying to get him out of town at night and trying to help him. What I would say, if I'm looking at it from God's point of view, is he needs somewhere to go. It's at night. Let's just let him go where I want him to be. And he gets where he needs to be. You can look at things through a human standpoint or you can try to look at things through God's standpoint often. And God always has a plan. And don't ever count God out. Don't ever discredit God. God always knows what he's doing. And I know there are a lot of times in our life where we think, you know, I just, I was very lucky today. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in luck. Actually, let me rephrase that time. So I do fantasy football with guys in our church. Let me just let you understand this real quick. You can say, guys, oh, I planned it, and I picked this guy, and I picked this guy, and I knew how they were. Shut up. You did not. Anytime you win is luck. You don't have a clue what they're going to do. And some people are like, I got it all figured out. I got the science down. You don't know. The player could get injured the first play of the game, and then your whole team's messed up. So there is luck when it comes to that, okay? There is luck involved in fantasy football if you do that. And so I do believe in luck that way. But in, in our lives, I don't believe in luck. Oh, they're just lucky. No, they're blessed. They have a God looking after them. You say, well, well, why isn't God looking out? He is looking after you. The problem is we look from a human standpoint at everything going on. And we don't look at what God's really doing. And our problem is we have tunnel vision. I don't see what God's doing. And God's like, duh, you're not going to see what I'm doing because I see it all. I see the beginning and I see the end in the future. You don't see that. Just trust me. Trust my plan. It will all work out. Paul trusted his plan, just kept going. Lord, where do you want me? I'm just going to go. And he did what he always did. We, as we look here, we see that he leaves Thessalonica, and we see God's plan. When we think about God's plan, you've got to realize, and just think about those verses, Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Man, and my mind always goes to Joseph. We know that all things work together for good, right? Was it good to have your brother sell you into slavery? Was it good to have the, your owner there have, have Potiphar's wife lie about what you did? Was it good to go to prison? Was it good to have all these things happen in your life? And what did, what did Joseph say to his brothers? Remember, their dad dies, and dad would us. <laughs> They're talking for their dad after he's already died. It's like, guys, I wouldn't trust a word that you say after all that you've done to me. I would, if I were them, I would just be so grateful that Joseph was my brother and that he wasn't like the rest of them. Because there was a big difference. See, and even, even this last week, you remember the messages we heard? 
and we heard I, one of them talked about, and I don't remember which one at the moment, but they talked about having a vision for God and having and how the dreams that we have, there are cost to all those things. Remember how Joseph had some dreams? And his family was going to bow before him. It cost him a lot. It cost him a lot. But what did, what did Joseph say in Genesis 50, verse 20? But as for you, you thought it evil against me. Guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You were not thinking. That, we knew that in the long run, God was going to have you here to save our family. That's why we did it. No. Like, there comes our scumbag brother. Let's kill him. No, 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 guys. Let's not kill him. We'll just sell him off. And we'll kill an animal and take his coat of many colors, put the blood all over it, and go tell dad he died. It's pretty bad. And he says, you meant it for bad. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. What an attitude. Hey, would it help in your Christian life when everything doesn't go the way you think it should? Maybe people don't treat you the way you think that people should treat you, and maybe you're having a little pity party for yourself. You think back to Joseph. And maybe someone is trying to be mean to you, and someone is trying to hurt you. Do you ever think that God could be using that to grow you and could be doing it for good, to help you in the long run? If we could get our eyes and view things through God's eyes, not through our own, it would help us a lot in the Christian life. We see as part of God's plan. We see letter B. We see, first of all, that Paul, the letter B, and I need to get moving here. We see Paul's determination in Berea, in Berea here. And literally, he just does the same thing. What does he do every day? He goes to the synagogue, and he just preaches Jesus. That's what he does. And so, in the cities where there wasn't a synagogue, he went by the riverside where there were people who wanted to hear, and he just preached the gospel. But Paul kept doing the same thing every city he went to. He was determined to get the gospel out. And may I just remind you how to get the gospel out? When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? I think I asked you that question last week and the week before that too. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? And a lot of people sometimes tell me, Pastor, we need to, you need to, you need to get more, you need to, you need to sing more conservative Christian songs. You need to wear a tie and do all these different, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? When's the last time you read your Bible? Those are, the, those are the things that matter. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Say, Pastor, I can't remember. Then get a track tonight and go tell someone about Jesus this week. You're not going to be worried about being thrown in prison or anything like Paul. Tell someone. Paul was determined. I love his determination. I, when I, one of the things I love about Paul is as much as he hated Christians and how he went after them, that same determination he used to destroy Christianity is the same determination he used to spread Christianity. He gave God his very best. We see he was determined. He takes the gospel. And what we see, number two tonight, number two, we see the attentiveness of the Bereans. This is where I honestly was going to spend most of my time tonight, and I got seven minutes till it's seven o'clock. Say, so well, just go longer. Sunday nights with the kids' club and things, I got to be pretty good. Lori, Sunday mornings, I really don't care how long I go for you, so it's okay. And, uh, and I'm teasing when I say that, but I just, I'm teasing a little bit. But Sunday nights, I do go a little shorter just to stick because of that thing there. 
And Sunday morning, it's just however, however, however it lands. But this morning wasn't bad. You're welcome. It wasn't too bad today. And so as we look here, we, the fact is they were ready to receive the word of God. We see letter A, the fact they received the word of God. You see it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with readiness of mind. Let me ask you a question. Did you come to church tonight ready to receive God's word? Or did you, with all readiness, were you ready for it? And you're like, I'm ready to get something from God tonight. Here we go. Service. What's Pastor going to rant on this time? What's he going to say tonight? What rabbit trail is he down? going to say to entertain me and keep me awake? What's he going to do? The word received there, the Greek word there is um, dekome. And it's in the middle voice and it's a primary verb, and what its emphasis is, they were eager to take in the word of God. Now, Bible tomorrow. Here we go again. Or is it? I need this. I gotta get something from here. I'm not leaving here till I get something from God. Are you eager to receive it and to take it in? When you come to church, are you ready to receive what God has for you? Or you're just like, uh, whatever. You know what was different about, this, about these people here in Berea? They were ready for it. Their heart was ready to receive. They were, that talks about being the, the word noble here. It means well-born or born into nobility. And what happened was they were behaving nobly, and then also we see the, they were ready, the readiness there. The re- word readiness has the idea of zeal, spirit, eagerness, readiness of mind. In other words, they were eager to hear it. There was no other church or no other group of people like this group. They were just waiting to get what they... And I know, you come to church long enough, you hear the... Now, here we go again. Here we go again. This book never gets old. Doesn't matter how often it's preached, it never gets old. How's your attitude when you come to church? Are you... Full soul it loatheth and honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Do you come to church hungry and ready for the word of God? Do you do that daily in your Bible reading? How about your prayer life? Do you go eager? Oh, I got to pray. If your attitude is, I got to pray, that's (laughs) after what we've talked about on Sunday mornings and the fact that you can go to God, we get to pray. We have the privilege, that hour, that sweet hour of prayer that we can have. We can go before God. How, how, how's your attitude with this? We see that this church, these Bereans, and why we need to be like them, the fact they received the word of God, they were hungry for it. They wanted something from God in his word. What does the word say? If you really want me, you can find me. Isn't that what it says? 
Say, Pastor, it's been so long since I've gotten anything from the Word of God. So what you need to do is you need to go and be empty of yourself and say, God, give me something from your Word. When's the last that Psalm 119? Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. When's the last time you're like, you know what, God, I'm done with everything else for now. The phone's going to get put aside. The TV's getting turned off. I'm not listening to anything else. I just want you and your that anymore. They received, not only did they receive the word, but letter B, they searched the word of God. They searched it. We see what it says there. It says, and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. That word search literally means to examine or judge. The dictionary says to investigate, examine, inquire into, scrutinize, sift, question, specifically in a forensic scene of a judge to hold an investigation, to interrogate, examine, the accused or witness a judge of, estimate or determine. They held, this is the thing, they held this book in such high regard that they had to make sure that what the preacher preached measured up with what was held in high regard. If tonight you hold my words in higher regard than you hold this book right here, you've got problems. This book is in high regard. Humans mess up. Have I ever preached a message I wish I could go back and not preach it? Yes. Have I ever said something when I'm done like, what did I just say? Have I ever been wrong on something? Yes. Would it have been easy for someone to come up and say, Hey, I looked in the Bible, and what you said doesn't quite fit with Scripture. Last night, I was with a guy that I know well, and he's a good friend of mine, and he, work, he works at the rescue mission. I was there last night. When I was there last night, he gave me, so he gave me some interesting thoughts. I'm not going to get into all those thoughts. But he sincerely believes these certain things that God has done in his life. And I just can't, for the life of me, I believe he's being sincere in himself. But I hear some of these things, and I'm like, I don't see that in the Bible. I say, well, what are you going to do? Later on, I already made some notes about it. I got to do a little bit more studying in the Word of God about these certain topics. Because, and I'm not going to go into these topics to get you off on anything for yourselves, but for myself, you brought up some interesting points. But, and he tried to use scripture to explain some of the points on what God has done in his life. But being a good Baptist, that doesn't fit into my Baptist doctrine. It doesn't. Say, well, and well, as a Baptist, we believe the Bible is our final authority. So you say, so you just shut all that out. No, I'm going to go search the scriptures again. Because the scriptures are my final authority. The message I preached this morning about backsliding and growing in the Lord. I wonder how many people will actually pick up their Bible this week and actually go back and read some of that and see if it's actually right. Oh no, pastor said it, so it's got to be true. <laughs> That's, I'll tell you a lot of things if you want. If, if you want to believe that, I'll tell you a lot of things, and we'll see how, how much you believe it. They're like, Paul, he's given us, he's preaching to us the gospel. But we got to make sure that what he's saying lines up with the word of God. 
And that's not something that's easily done. It takes work. You investigate something. Mark, you were in the police department for a while. The investigations that go on, so funny. I'll hear people every once in a while with our Chino PD, they'll be like, they started this investigation. Why isn't this investigation done? It's very simple, open and close. But you don't have a clue what goes into an investigation at all. And you want your report and everything five minutes after the thing happens. It takes some time and work and witnesses and all these things. We just want to go to church. Oh, the pastor said it, so it must be right, and we're just going to do what the pastor says. And I would hope that your pastor would be striving to give you the word of God and to follow the word of God. But I still would not trust my pastor. I would trust the word of God. And the, and the problem is we have a lot of lazy Christians that would rather trust somebody than go look for themselves. I'll people sometimes, oh, this guy on the radio, and people don't listen to the radio, that podcast I listen to, that guy's so good. I'm like, did you go search the Bible at what they said? I don't care how good you think somebody is. What does the word of God say? No, there were, and I've, I've taken criticism myself for some things in our own church and some things where I stand today. People are like, that's not how I've heard that several times to me. And I'll be like, you come back here five years ago or six years ago, I would sound like the typical Baptist, independent Baptist preacher right here. I would sound just like it. There's a problem. You can have the lingo down. You can follow things a certain way. And even in Bible college, and I'm not trying to put down where I went to school, I didn't search the scriptures to find my doctrine. I followed what they did. That's the way it was. That's one of the problems we have in Bible colleges today. We're creating little camps and little clones of what people want instead of what the Word of God says. And with that being said, I'm not saying Bible college is bad. I believe in Bible college, and I think Bible college is a good thing. But I also think that you've got to be careful with that. It took me a long time to realize being an independent Baptist and where I stand with my doctrine doesn't come because of what every other independent Baptist has done or what my pastor's done or anyone else has done. You know where my doctrine comes from? Right here. Pure, plain, simple, right here. And when I search the scriptures, if the scriptures talk about it, settles it. The scripture. I'm really just not. I think when I say that, but I want you to understand is they held the scriptures as the authority and they searched the scriptures. And even didn't Jesus even say to some, "Don't you haven't you read? Don't you know what it says?" But most Christians today search the scriptures. No, yeah. And even with all the technology we have today, you know, a lot of the technology today, I know there's a lot of bad because of technology today. But there's also a lot of good when it comes to the Do you know all the tools that are out there? You don't have to have a big Strong's Concordance that's this thick any longer. You literally can have a Bible program that you click one button and everything pops up for you in two seconds. And I know some of you in this room, I'm so old school, I must have the book. Okay, you use the book and take a lot longer. I don't have a problem with that. But... There, is so many, there are so many tools out there today to search the Word of God and to help you with the Word of God. Take advantage of them. We need to be more like the Bereans in the fact they were ready to receive God's Word, but then they didn't just listen to what the pastor said. They went and searched the Scriptures to see if it was right. You know, that's why I give you notes. Several years ago, I didn't give anybody notes. I didn't do that. 
Do you know how much work it takes to give you notes every week? There's a lot of work that goes into that. You know why? So you can take it home and check it out. That's why sometimes like this morning, remember how this morning I mentioned the fact that for willfully sinning and deliberate sin, there was no sacrifices? Did you know I actually helped you out with that? Because that should have brought up a red flag. Is that true or not? That's why I gave you two passages this morning so you could go read right where it was so you can see what the Bible says. That's why you have verses throughout your notes to compare with and to search them. It just shouldn't be Sunday morning you hear a 40-minute message and that's the end of it. You should take it home and study it out for yourself. What a concept, right? What a concept. We're out of time, but I need to give you the end of the message here. And then we see thirdly and lastly tonight, we see the adversaries again. The Jews from Thessalonica cause problems again. They cause problems again. Do you know how far Berea was from Thessalonica? 45 miles. So what's 45 miles from here? I think Santa Monica is about 45 miles. I think because L.A. is 30-something. I'd say Santa Monica is about 45 miles. Want to start walking? I'd, be, I'd get just to the edge of Chino and be like, I'm good. I'll just leave them be. They're not anymore. They're not going to bother me. They can have their, they can take Berea. They can, they're not here. We're good. They hated Paul so much. They traveled 45 miles by foot or camel, whatever, and bumping up and down on a camel for 45 miles is no easy task either. Or a horse, whatever the case may be. They didn't have a car. And I probably wouldn't go, even if today, if there was someone that I didn't like a lot, and they're over in Santa Monica, I would think about all the traffic I'm going to be sitting in to go to there. I'd be like, they're far enough away from me, I'm just not going. They can have it because I'm not sitting in that traffic. They must have really hated Paul to go all 45 miles just to cause more trouble. And what they do is when they got there, literally they stirred up the people against Paul. And Paul talks about 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself. Forms as ministers of righteousness, who's according to their works. And what Paul does, he just keeps on going. And interesting enough, do you notice how at the very end, how Paul actually leaves? But Timothy and Silas stay there? You say, well, why did Timothy and Silas stay there? It had already been planted. They stayed there to help the church grow, like every other church. 